So today we will start the section where the fourfold spiritual disciplines have been enunciated in the Viveka Churamani. That as in the last class we were indicating that for a spiritual aspirant, for a spiritual aspirant, there are there's a need for four qualifications. This what are these four qualifications that will be enunciated in the 19th uh, verse of the Viveka Churamani. So what's the 19th verse? What it states? Adho Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka Pariganyate Iha Amutra Falabhoga Viraga Tat Anantaram Shamadi Shatka Sampattihi Mumukshutvam Iti Sfutam So the four four spiritual disciplines at the very first the first practice that comes the first discipline is the viveka the first is enumerated the discrimination between the real and the unreal by viveka is meant the discrimination between the real and the unreal the eternal and the transitory so first that should dawn in an aspirant's life. He should have viveka. Once he has viveka, the other practices follows. They all succeed one after other. What's the next? The viveka is followed by vairagya. Once an aspirant knows what is real and can distinguish it from the unreal, then naturally he, his or her tendency will be to renounce the unreal and to become more and more identified with the real. So once he knows that this world of transitory existence is not real, so the enjoyment of the fruits of one's action here and hereafter, that's being indicated as vairagya, viraga. So first is Nitya Anitya Vastu is Viveka. Viveka is, speaks of the distinction, the discrimination between the Nitya, the eternal and Anitya, the transient. And then Iha Amutra Falabhoga Viraga. The next thing that follows, follows is that once I know that the world is unreal, so naturally it's ephemeral. Naturally it's obvious that enjoying the results of the fruits of actions here or hereafter. Hereafter means in some other planes of existence, after death. So that also is bound to fall off. That hankering for the results of action here or hereafter. If after all nothing is eternal, why should I hanker after the results of 
my actions here or hereafter because it's not going to stay with me through eternity. So that viraga, the renunciation, follows after the viveka. And once one have developed that viraga, then one can think of practicing the disciplines of samadhi, shatka, sampatti. There are six practices. That six practices that will be enunciated gradually. They are shama, dhamma, uparati, titiksha, sraddha, samadhana. Sama, this, these are the six practices. What it speaks of, shama means controlling of the mind, dhamma, controlling of the senses, uparati. Uparati is a technical term where you don't allow the mind to get associated with the sense objects. Means you keep your mind disengaged. The sense organs are disengaged from the objects of the senses. So the sense organs are not allowed to project out. So this you don't allow the mind to project out so as to interact with the world of sense objects. That's uparati. And that is followed by titiksha, the endurance. That in this life, we always face the opposite polarities in the form of sukha, dukha. Happiness, sorrow, happiness, misery. Sometimes it is the weather is not favorable, it is hot or it is cold. It's always in the opposite polarities. And that creates suffering. Why that suffering comes? Because we are identified with our body-mind complex. If I don't allow my mind with the practice of upariti to associate with the objects of the senses, then naturally the practice of titiksha follows. That nothing can as such affect me. The dualities of life cannot affect me. I remain always absorbed in the contemplation of the self. The world with its polarities is there, but it has lost the power to affect me. The definitions will come one after other. So that is titiksha, the power of endurance. That endurance, forbearance, endurance is such that you don't have any grudge within. If you have grudge, that speaks of the mind is not, uh, is concentrated, is not calm. That speaks of the turbulence of the mind. The mind is not tranquil. If you're having the inner grudge, if you're having constantly uh, your lament over the situations of life. So that's why the word which will come significant, it will be a very significant phrase while defining uh, titiksha is this chinta vilapa rahitam that you are not at all concerned you don't lament over it they are passing through your life but in no way can affect you that is titiksha and then after titiksha will come this uh, sraddha and then samadha means this faith in the words of Guru, faith in the words of the scripture. When you have to persevere in spiritual life, again and again the doubt may assail you that is it really 
in any way going to help me out? Is this practice, is, is it worth to practice, to continue with this practice? Is it really going to yield the result which it, uh, which it always speaks of? So that's the thing that doubts may assail. So you have to have sraddha in the words of Guru, in the words of the scriptures. And then it will lead to samadhana. Samadhana speaks of samadhi, to the deep absorption, the deep contemplation on the self. So these are the six practices, shamadhama, titiksha, uh, samadhama, uparati, titiksha, samadhana, sraddha, samadhana. So these six practices, they form as if like a package that after you develop vairagya, they have to be practiced. And at last comes the it, this yearning for liberation in this very life. That is the mumukshuttvam. That's, that's the last practice, the last discipline. There's tremendous yearning, intense yearning for liberation. So these are the fourfold practices that an aspirant should be endowed with to be qualified to proceed in his spiritual journey or in her spiritual journey. So these are the practices which will be enunciated. So first, that it, it is only one who knows that this is eternal and this is transient. Then only the question of withdrawing his mind from what is transient comes. This vairagya cannot be secured in the absence of this discrimination. What is transient? And then uh, Viveka, as we told that from Viveka, vairagya follows. And it is only a person who has vairagya can acquire this shanta, this shama, dhamma. Shama means mind control, the control of the senses. And then dhamma can be effectualized is possible only when there is a control of the mind unless you can you first calm down your mind there is no question of calming down of the senses because it is the mind that directs the senses so if i can disconnect my mind from the senses first the mind has to be calm and then only the control of the senses come so shama is followed by dhamma and now the question is there's a very interesting in the interpretation we find this question that if on achieving in achieving shama dhamma happens automatically if you can calm down your mind the sense organs automatically gets disconnected because it is the mind which activates which directs the senses to get engaged in the uh, sense objects it is a mind that directs the senses to get engaged with the sense objects. If I can calm down my mind, then what is the use of practicing Dhamma separately? It happens automatically. So why Dhamma has been enunciated separately as a sadhana? Because you will find in the Bhagavad Gita it is mentioned, Indriyani Pramathini Haranti Prasabhang Manaha. If, even if your mind is calm, to a certain extent, you will find in our life it happens that I was meditating, my mind is calm. Now I keep the mind uh, in the world. I allow the mind to interact with the sense objects. You find that 
though you through meditation you have attained a certain calmness the moment you allow your senses to be engaged with the sense objects your mind is as if forced to again get engaged in it as sri ramakrishna used to say jotoi shayan hauna keno kajoler ghore thakle gaye dag lagbei that however careful you may be if you are residing in a house whose walls are painted with the soots you are bound to get tainted by those soots however careful you may be so if you allow your senses to be engaged with the sense objects know it for certain that will drag your mind down that's in bhagavad gita that idea has been very nicely stated indriyani pramathini haranti prasavangmana the indriyas the sense organs have the power to pull down your mind so that's why dhamma has been enunciated separately that you have to calm down your mind but don't be over confident you think that i have control over my mind now i can go and mix up with the world my mind won't be affected know it for certain that's never going to happen you have to first calm down your mind have to and then you have to ensure that you stop getting engaged with the the sense objects as much as possible whenever it's possible that becomes my practice that's why dhamma has been enunciated separately and then after that comes the practice of uparati which actually speaks of sanyasa it is possible only when one has acquired mastery of the internal and the external organs of the mind and of the senses then only you can practice uparati and when you get established in the practice of uparati then alone you can have titiksha which is the ability to endure without concern the dualities of heat and cold happiness and misery and as one's mind will not be distracted by anything outside of him such a person alone can be said to have samadhi he alone can get the deep contemplation or deep concentration which is characteristic which is the uh, characterized by what by unwavering contemplation on the thought of brahman so if one thus qualified if one has qualified thus he alone can have shraddha the faith in the teaching of the guru and of vedanta that brahman alone is real and jagat is unreal the world this world this phenomenal existence is mithya is unreal and then such a person alone will not desire anything except liberation that speaks of mumukshutva so all these practices one follows the other they all this first comes viveka that is followed by vairagya that is followed by samadhamadi shat sampatti and that is followed by mumukshutva so from the next verse the practices which has been mentioned in this verse will be elaborately described one by one so we will take them one by one so first comes in the 20th verse the viveka what how the viveka has been defined brahma satyam jagan mithya iti evam rupa vinishchaya sa ayam nitya anitya vastu viveka samudaritaha the firm conviction that brahman alone is real brahma satyam and the universe is unreal mithya jagan mithya 
is designated as the, this is designated as this is defined as the viveka as the discrimination iti evang rupa the one who has this firm conviction evang vinischaya the vinischaya speaks of firm conviction for him alone he this practice of nitya anitya vastu viveka is possible the discrimination between the uh, what you say the eternal and the non eternal a very interesting shankaracharya is interpreting this nitya anitya vastu viveka as the knowledge that brahman is satya and jagan is mithya now very interesting viveka as per the definition is speaking of nitya anitya vastu the something which is eternal and something which is transitory we see, we know the world everything is transitory everything is flowing nothing is nitya behind that the scripture asserts that there is some eternal conscious principle which is alone the truth which is the trikal avadhita satya which was which is which will be is eternal and the world is flowing so nitya nitya means something which is uh, permanent and anitya means which something which is impermanent then why shankaracharya is bringing the idea of satya mithya that that which is eternal that along is satya but jagat though it is a flowing but why it we, we as a flow we can say it is a, it has a vyavaharik uh, satya that it has some empirical truth but why shankaracharya is totally denying is saying it's mithya but unless you have the feeling that it is mithya the real vairagya will never come and when he's saying mithya it is not something which is a false statement the jagat is mithya it is a superimposition it is not something is being superimposed upon something in vedanta again and again we give that example that a rope is lying in the twilight because of lack of proper light i see it as a snake so it is something like a delusion the snake is not at all there the snake is mithya so that way the world is in one sense temporary it is a flow and in another sense as it is a superimposition on brahman it is mithya the jagat as jagat is doesn't exist at all it's as a substratum as a brahman it is eternal but as this flow it doesn't exist at all so this what he is saying is philosophically correct and also he is stressing this mithya why because if you have just the idea that jagat is anitya you can never have the real vairagya why that yes the things are transient but for the time being i can enjoy it that's the idea which may come that we all most of the people even you will find the one who have no spiritual inclination they say we have only one life let us enjoy it what's the idea we know that it is not an eternal life it's going to end so we will find that that type of idea that anityata doesn't lead to vairagya but when you say it is mithya it is just a mere projection it is just a virtual reality 
then only the vairagya comes to give an example when you are passing through the desert and there you see an oasis the passing oasis can quench the thirst of the caravan but can a mirage quench the thirst of a caravan no the mirage is mithya the oasis is something we are passing by it is not permanent i am not going to stay there it is just a part of my journey but it can quench my thirst the question of enjoyment is there but in mirage there is no question of enjoyment it is a mere it is just a mere projection so that's why shankaracharya though that viveka is been defined as nitya and anitya is vastu viveka but shankaracharya is interpreting it as satya and mithya it is mithya in no way you can enjoy you cannot enjoy something which is mithya that the kingdom which you have seen in a dream that can you really enjoy that kingdom those who want to have a kingdom are not satisfied by the kingdom seen in the dream so similarly this world is like a dream in that case the question of enjoyment cannot come so that's why shankaracharya in the definition of viveka though it the definition is nitya anitya vastu viveka but shankaracharya is interpreting as brahma satya jagan mithya unless you have the sense that it is mithya you can never have vairagya which has to follow after viveka because anything which is a mere projection which has no as such tangible reality can never be enjoyed and then the question of vairagya comes if this is something which is a mere uh, appearance the question of enjoyment doesn't come so that's once you have that idea it is mithya then only vairagya ensues so in the next sloka in the next verse shankaracharya will be defining the vairagya what is vairagya the 21st verse tat vairagya jugupsa ya darshana sravanadibhi dehadi brahmya paryante hi anitye bhogya vastuni tat vairagya so what is vairagya it is a desire the jugupsa of what to give up darshanas or what, what i see i have seen i have heard of i have seen what i have seen that yes certain actions lead to some enjoyments in this life that is something which is perceptible and what is heard i have heard that if i do good actions that will result in some higher birth after my death it is not something perceptible i have heard and i have this motivation the inclination for doing punya for doing good deeds because i have heard that i will enjoy the fruits of its result after life and there are certain actions which is going to give me results here itself what is vairagya the one who has developed distrust one who has developed that's total detachment from anything which has been seen or heard for all these transitory enjoyments ranging from this physical body to that of the state of brahma the state of brahma is this, this brahma paryanta dehadi brahma paryanta that anything in this world i can enjoy 
in this physical body or it can be evolved if i have if i do very lot of uh, good karma that can result in a higher birth i can evolve and it can lead lead me to the state of this brahma i can attain the state of brahma that's the highest state which we can think of this in this world of transitory enjoyment all i renounce because if the world is mithya then the question of enjoying this transitory enjoyments doesn't arise so from that the vairagya ensues so sravana darshanadi what it speaks of so darshana refers to seeing the objects of sense enjoyments here on earth and sravana refers to the hearing of the objects of enjoyment in heaven including all the celestial bodies till uh, up to the attainment of the state of brahma and vairagya means the desire to give up all these transitory enjoyments beginning from this body up to even the state of brahma the creator what it's speaking of the dwellers in this world including the realm of brahma are subject to return to the life on earth as you know as has been stated by krishna bhagwan krishna in bhagavad gita that what he is stating a brahma bhavana loka punaravartinorjuna that from brahma to this all the existence in this world they all have to transmigrate when their quota of their good deeds is over is exhausted again kshine punya martya lokam vishanti they again have to come to this world of transitory this world where they are constantly going to the process of birth and death so what's the idea of this brahma when god projects this universe that what is the brahma we shouldn't in any way confuse brahma with the ultimate idea of the divinity the god but who is brahma when god projects this universe the first product of the evolution is brahma it is a cosmic mind so consciousness first projects itself as the mind and the mind is projected as the universe so it is a cosmic mind which is been spoken of as the brahma from which this gross universe proceeds hence he is called the creator anyone who performs meritorious deeds and practices meditation on brahma he will attain after the death the post mortem existence he will he can attain the state of brahma he can attain the brahmahood but this position it is like a post like by all my endeavor we can attain some professional position in life similarly by lot of good actions one can attain the position of brahma but it has a fixed duration though it may be very long even the brahma's lifetime is unimaginably long but from the human standpoint it is just as limited as the lifespan of human beings this is all relative see we think do we think our life is really something uh, unlimited no at the most 100 years there is an end we never think it is something a, a, a quite long lifespan but think just of any other animals like dog and cat they live for 14 years 15 years 
they will think we live eternally. If they have that power of comprehension, they can comparison. From compared to 14, 15 years, 100 years, it appears to be quite long. So this span of life are all very relative. From our standpoint, the life of Brahma appears to be as if eternal, but it is also having a limitation. It's all relative. So this Brahma's lifetime, which is unimaginably long from the human standpoint, is, is actually something limited. And when all the results you have accrued for your good actions is over, then again, when all the punya is exhausted, again you have to come down to this existence. So therefore, from Brahma down to this, the scriptures they say, this down to the, this, it just is, is what is a bunch of grass. This, what he says is all beings are within the sway of this samsara. This so a cycle of birth and death that speaks of the samsara, this will of birth and death. We are all within the sway of it. So one who have realized that, how, why should he aspire for all the results of action, which at last is not going to give him or her eternal result. So thus, if we wish liberation, even our desire to attain the highest state of Brahma should be relinquished. What to speak of the other objects of enjoyment uh, which is available in this world. So that's what, how the Viraga, the Vairagya has been defined. And then comes Shama Damadi Shat Sampatti. First, Shama, the control of the mind. That is defined in the 22nd verse. What it is saying? Virajya, Vishaya Vratat, Dosha Drishtya, Muhur Muhu, Swalakshe, Niyatavastha, Manasa, Shama, Uchyate. So, first, there are two aspects the resting of the mind steadfastly on its goal, that is Brahman. Swalakshe, Niyatavastha. That is one and another. After having detached the mind from the sense objects by constantly observing the defects that we apparently feel that the sense enjoyment of the sense objects gives us pleasures. But if we really try to find out the nature of happiness, we'll find that our sense enjoyment can never give us happiness. There is an eternal defect in it. This world of transience can never give us happiness. So there are two aspects. That I can never get happiness from my sense enjoyment. So I don't allow my mind to get engaged with the sense objects. Why? I don't allow my mind to get enjoy, uh, to get involved with the senses. First, because of the eternal defect, dosha drishtya, that happiness can never be achieved by the enjoyment of the senses. What is the eternal defect? <coughs> As Swami Vivekananda has spoken of, what is the eternal defect? That we can never be satisfied with the enjoyment of the senses. It is ever running, never reaching, nor a distant glimpse of shore. 
it is a hedonistic treadmill you can never be satisfied the more you resort to the enjoyment of the senses the more the hankering increases it never gets satiated it's like fire the more you offer fuel the more it flares up it never gets satiated so that's the eternal defect so that's why i desist from enjoyment and what is the another motivation factor for keeping the mind keeping my mind calm so that i can en- engage it in the contemplation i disengage from the senses and i engage it to the contemplation of the brahman so thus we will find that that human mind has an inbuilt as if tendency to run out deliberately attracted by the external objects as has been very nicely enunciated in the upanishad paranchi khani vetrinat swayambhu tasmat parak pashyati na antaratman the senses have been injured has it has been it has been injured in such a way by the lord that it always they have been injured in such a way that they always look outside they never look within so that is the built in tendency so this has to be restrained in two ways how to stop this moving outwards this parak instead of parak i start moving inside pratyak how to do that so for that the two things has been as, uh, described in this verse in this shloka the negative that is there is a negative negative aspect of this discipline and there is a positive aspect of this discipline so what is the negative aspect that this uh, controlling of the mind can be done only when we continuously uh, continuously imp- try to impress on our mind the fact that the, all the objects of enjoyment are inherently defective and ultimately it will lead to dissatisfaction we won't say sorrow there is a difference between sorrow and dissatisfaction so when i am enjoying some something i am not suffering there is no sorrow but am i satisfied that is the big question no i will find already have developed hankering for more and more and more so the inherent defect is that is we never get satisfied with it so that's the negative aspect of this discipline so as i can never get satisfied why i allow my mind to get engaged with the senses i keep it calm and what's the positive aspect that it it requires the mind that if you want to really contemplate on something higher on something sublime on your eternal nature on brahman it has to rest at firstly on brahman it have to maintain it calm so there's a positive aspect so you are disengaging from the senses and engaging in the contemplation of brahman so such discipline of the mind first by withdrawing it from the external objects knowing them to be the cause of all our dissatisfaction and then by fixing it on the goal that is the brahman is called shama so that's how shama has been defined in the 22nd sloka this virajya vishaya vrata as a first thing that i disengage from the external objects vishaya vrata how i disengage dosha drishtiya muhun again and again seeing the defects of it and then after disengage what i do swalakshe niyatavastha then i keep it in engaged in the meditation contemplation 
ऑफ ब्रह्मन स्वलक्षण यथावस्था मनस क्षम उच्चते दैट इज द प्रैक्टिस ऑफ सम सो नेक्स्ट कम्स द प्रैक्टिस ऑफ धम फॉलोड बाय उपरति सो द ट्वेंटी थर्ड एंड द ट्वेंटी फोर्थ श्लोक स्पीक्स ऑफ धम एंड उपरति सो वॉट इज धम विषयभ्य परावर्त्य स्थापन स्वस्वगोलके उभयशाम इंद्रियाना सह दम परिकीर्ति सो विषयभ्य परावर्त्य सो टर्निंग अराउंड परावर्त्य मीन्स टर्निंग अवे फ्रॉम द सेंस ऑब्जेक्ट्स एंड कीपिंग देम सेटल स्वस्वगोलोके यू डोंट अलाउ द आई टू प्रोजेक्ट आउट You don't allow the mind to project out through your eyes to the sense objects, as we have again and again explained the fact that what I perceive is not what is coming from outside with uh, and is entering us. I don't perceive that. I perceive what I project. That example which we give again and again when I'm seeing a flower. its color the light just touches my eyes its function is over there the light doesn't enter the brain where the perception the brain which is a sense organ for your mind it is through the brain the mind is working so the light doesn't reaches their brain in the brain it touches your retina and there the light's function is over the moment it touches the retina it gets it immediately activates the optic nerve and a type of nerve current starts flowing through that nerve to the brain when that nerve current is reach it reaches the brain the dark brain where no light is there that nerve current is project is is being is it activates the color perception center and the color is projected out from the color perception center to envelop the flower to give you the feeling that it is red so now you will understand how wonderful this definition is vishayabhya paravartya sthapanam swasva golake golaka means in the holes the eyes are in the holes it has some orifice in which the eyes are there ears have its own orifice the nose has its own orifice even the skin has innumerable orifices your mouth is an orifice so this goloka means in you keep the senses in there uh in the particular uh, orifices you don't allow them to move out that projection you don't allow then only when the senses are not allowed to get engaged with the sense objects you don't allow them to move out then only uh, the practice of dhamma is possible so the gyanendriyas so it is you are not allowing the chitta vrittis to take the form of external objects that we will come later as uparati first comes dhamma the turning both kinds of sense organs the gyanendriyas and the karmendriyas gyanendriyas means organs the sense organs of perception the eyes the ears the nose the tongue as taste and the skin was touch these are the organs of perception and organs of action the hands the feet 
this hastapada, their organ of speech and organ of evacuation and organ for reproduction. So these are the five organs of action. So you, these are turned away from the sense objects and you place them in their respective centers. This is called Dhamma. So the Gyanendriyas and the Karmendriyas cannot go out to the objects of their own accord. Means it doesn't mean that throughout the day I will be just keeping my eyes and ears closed, sitting in a soundproof room, not interacting with the world. It doesn't mean that. Most of the time what happens that it is the senses which is pulling me. If you remember in Kathopanishad, a wonderful in the form of a, in a in the with the help of a wonderful allegory this our body uh, within which the soul is residing has been explained as a chariot if you just the slokas wonderful slokas uh, which enunciates that idea what's that atmanang rathinang vidhi the self is the one who is sitting in the chariot he is the Rathi. He is the charioteer. Atmanang Rath. This Rathinang Vidhi. Sharirang Rathamevatu. This body is the chariot. The soul is the charioteer. Buddhi is the Sharathi. The one who is driving the chariot. He is, it is the Buddhi. The driver. The Buddhi is the driver. Mana Pragrahamevatu. The mind is the reins. The one who is driving the chariot, he is holding the mind as the reins. Indriyanang hayan ahu. And all our sense organs are the horses. And the sense and the roads are the sense objects. Indriyani hayan ahu means hayan is the horses. And vishayang stays to gocharan. The paths are the, all the sense objects. If you, we are not having the control over our senses, if the buddhi cannot hold the reins strongly, then what will happen? The horse will drag us and it will take us off route. It can kill us. If you are in a mountainous terrain, it, the horse, if it is not controlled, it can lead to a fall which can even kill us. So the buddhi has to hold the reins of the mind strongly. So when we are speaking of this dhamma, that controlling of the senses, not allowing the senses to be dragged, it doesn't mean that I'm, I just totally disconnect myself with the world. I have to engage myself with the world. But it is not the senses which is dragging me. It is not the horses which are so powerful that I cannot hold the rein. I cannot hold them. They just simply drag me. So Dhamma speaks of that, that you are holding the rein and you have control over it. So mind is said to be the reins and these external organs are said to be the horses and the sense organs should be turned back from the sense objects and how? That having by full control over it. It is not the senses which should have control over us. It is we who should have control of senses. The rain should be held properly. So this to hold the rain properly. 
I have to have control over the rents. That's the idea of Dhamma. So if you can pra if practice Shama properly, if calm down the mind, then only the Dhamma follows. You can control the sense organs. Paravartya means turning away. The sense organs should be turned back from the sense objects. They should be confined to their respective orbs or orifices. And then comes the practice of Uparati. If you get established in the practice of Dhamma, then comes the practice of Uparati. What is that? Vaiha na alambanam vrittehe esha uparati uttama. So as we told that what we see is what we are projecting, what the mind is projecting through the senses. So it is something like that in a tank there is water. So even as the water in the tank, it goes through the outlets and floods the fields, so too, similarly, in the same way, just the water is in the tank, through the outlet is going and flooding the fields. In the same way, the mind, which is our antakkaran, which is inside, it comes out through the opening of these ears, eyes, etc., through all these senses. And it is transformed in the shape of the objects. Like the redness is projected out, it envelops the flower. It, just like water flooding the field, it comes and envelops the object. And this transformation is known as the manovritti, the way the mind is working, this the vritti, the all the pulsations of the mind is happening thus. It is a projection from something like water moving out of the tank and flooding the field. What's the idea of upadrati? Now the idea of uparati is that is when the mind which is inside is restrained from going out through the external organs. It does not get transformed in the shape of external objects. So you will find in the gospel it is mentioned that only by closing your eyes can you meditate, even with open eyes you can meditate. If you can develop that power where the sense are not allowed to where the mind is not allowed to move through the senses out. The stimuli can be there, but the response in the form of response, I am not responding in the form of perception or in the form of reaction. Through the organs of action I can react and through the organs of perception I can perceive. So I can stop that by the practice of Dhamma, that from that the practice of Uparati follows. So in the meditation is for that, this total disconnection of the senses with the sense objects. At my will, it's not that, that I have to become something inert. If you remember in, even in our uh, complete works of Swami Vivekananda, in one of the lectures, Swamiji is indicating that when Shukadeva came to King Janaka for being instructed in the knowledge of Brahman. King Janaka uh, asks Shukadeva, gives him a task. The task is something very challenging. He gives him a bowl of oil filled to the brim and he asks him to go round the, his court, the king's palace, the court where a lot of activities are going on. There are some, ent uh, some 
entertainers who are dancing people are conversing interacting it's a huge humdrum going on there and janaka gives this bowl of oil full to the brim and asks shukadeva to encircle the entire court and shukadeva just goes round without spilling a single in spite of thousands of distractions innumerable distractions he can keep his mind focused and he goes round and comes back without spilling even a single drop of oil and janaka says your dedication is over that's the idea of this uparati you don't allow as you have when you have sit down for meditation and you say that there is a security guard as we in our guided meditation we do there is a security guard as if standing there it decides what is allowed and what is not allowed if you say that i won't allow anything to enter it stops through practice it is possible by practicing first you try to calm your mind through the practice of shama then you practice this practice of dhamma you don't allow the senses to get engaged with the sense objects and then this uparati practice of uparati becomes uh, possible one gets established in this practice of uparati whereas is bahya na alambanam vritti esha uparati not allowing the chitta vritti to take the form of the external objects that is the best form of uparati which one can practice so after uparati comes the practice of titiksha so it's a very nice definition of titiksha we find in viveka churamani what it is sahanam sarva dukhana apratikara purvakam chinta vilap rahitam sa titiksha nigatyate so enduring all afflictions sahanam sarva dukhana you endure all afflictions apratikara purvakam without trying to for any remedy you don't try any remedy to try to counteract them without resistance you have the power to endure them not even a weakling does that a weakling knows that he doesn't have the strength to really uh, go against the to revolt against the oppressor even in the present pillar political scenario we will find the states which are dictatorial they are all the citizens are as if enduring a lot without trying to in any way uh, remedy uh, just think of remedy because they know that will result in more oppression punishment so don't they, they, they never think of it they just go on enduring but can we ensure that their mind is at peace inside there is lot of concern is lot of their lamenting inside there is lot of anxiety so that is not tetiksha so sahanam so the weaklings do practice at first line even the weaklings in the world those who don't have the power to overcome the oppressor they do practice that sahanam sarva dukhanam apratikara purvakam but that is not tetiksha the second line is very important chinta vilap rahitam the calmness of the mind is not disturbed as swami vivekananda gives an example 
A bull was taking was just lying and taking rest. A mosquito was sitting on its horn, and after some time, the mosquito felt bad as it was sitting on the horn. It asked, it just asked the bull, "Am I in any way annoying you, disturbing you, just as I'm sitting on your horn?" And the bull then replies, "Oh no, no, no! You can bring your entire family and sit there. It in no way affects me." What's there as the horn has no sensation as such. So the this mind is not in any way connected with the horn. So similarly, our practice should make us that type of uh, 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 resistant to all the external. Uh, <clears throat> all the external afflictions in, in life as if i have the means I, I have not perceived it at all i have just i have the capacity to cut my senses from the sense objects i don't allow the mind to project out through the senses to the sense objects i have developed that so now naturally they in no way can disturb me so external situation whatever it may be it in no way creates turbulence in my mind so that's why that in spite of all the dualities of life i not only endure without any resistance it at the same time in no way can disturb the calmness i have no anxiety no chinta i don't lament there's no vilapa so then only it is we can say it is a practice of titiksha so enduring all afflictions without trying for any remedy and at the same time being free from anxiety and lamentation that is the diksha so in this life this is very important sri ramakrishna used to say in the gospel it is there sha 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 that in in all the indian uh, languages in the indian alphabets uh, you will find there are three s Three S. That one S when the tongue touches the upper teeth, up this upper jaw. Then that's that's danta. That is one type of pronunciation. And another S is with a hissing sound when the middle of the tongue touches the palate. That is another sh. And when you roll the tongue, the tip of the tongue touches the palate. Is another sh. So this three sh. So Ramakrishna is saying why there are three S. because it speaks of endurance in bengali endurance is shojjo sahana in hindi to endure this sahana shojjo kara and this as this is one of the traits we have we have to develop in our life that sahana shojjo kara forbearance so that's why there is so much stress of this 3s there is so much stress of s there are three alphabets there je shoy she roy je nashoy ta nashoy he is playing pun with the words the one who has the capacity to forbear his life is integrated the one who cannot endure his life is shattered he gets destroyed so that which cannot be cured must be endured in this life we know it for certain when we are facing some uh difficulties 
tribulations. If there is a remedy, we of course try for remedy. But in many cases, there is no remedy. Once we understand that there is no remedy, we have to develop the capacity to endure it. That which cannot be cured has to be endured, must be endured. Otherwise, it will be like jumping from the frying pan to the oven. You will be still, our condition will be worsened. So when we cannot change the circumstances, we have to change our attitude. We should know to that to live with it without constantly lamenting on it. So that's the idea of chinta vilaparahitam. If the mind is full of anxiety and lament, how can you think of contemplating on Brahma? You can never have Brahmanishta. It's the first thing for the contemplation of the Brahman is a calm mind. And if the chinta vilapa is going on, how can you do that? So the external world shouldn't affect you. You shouldn't react to it. And also in inwardly, in your mind you should not be grumbling over it. So that's the real practice of titiksha. So that comes after uparati, the practice of uparati. When you have developed the capacity to withdraw your mind at your will, so naturally the mind doesn't get engaged with the happenings of life. So the happenings of life in no way can disturb you anymore. So that's the how the chinta vilapa rahitam is possible. And once you have developed that capacity, you get established in titiksha. And titiksha is followed by sraddha. There's faith in the words of Guru, faith in the words of scriptures. Shastrasya, Guru Vakyasya, Satya Buddhi, Avadharanam, Sasraddha, Kathitha Sadhbhi, Yaya Vastu Upalabhyate. Sadhbhi, the saints, the seers, the prophets, the sages, they all have said the same thing that have faith in the words of the scriptures, faith in the word of the Guru, the teacher. That alone can enable you to evolve spiritually. It can lead you to the realization of the absolute reality. So that is Sraddha. So how it works, that this, this faith actually what it means? Is it just a blind faith? No. It is speaking something wonderful. So what it actually means, this Sraddha, to have faith in the words of the Guru, faith in the word of the scripture, at the same time it is not blind faith, what actually it is. We will, uh, for the next class of the Viveka Churamani, from Sraddha, we will again start to uh, discuss the remaining portion of the fourfold spiritual practices which, which we have started the class today. So this Sraddha, followed by Samadhana, and then Mumukshutva, these three more uh, aspects, three more disciplines uh, needs to be described. These three more disciplines we will again take up in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.